I wonder what we do without the internet and all this coronavirus trouble. It's provided so many connections between people over this past week. There have been Zoom meetings. I hadn't heard of Zoom before last week. Uh, there have been all sorts of WhatsApp groups being set up. I was even invited last week to a house party online. Not even really sure what that is, but I got invited to one. And then, of course, there's the connection through this live streaming, which we're making use of now. And yet, despite all that, we're not together as we're supposed to be. I hope, in a sense, that you're feeling that and not going to be satisfied with this in whenever we're able to meet back here. I hope you won't be just carrying on sitting at home, but want to be back with us. We're not together as we're supposed to be. I'm sad not to be seeing you this morning, uh, although you can see me. Sorry about that. <laughs> Obviously, I can't see you. And we're separated from each other but not from the love of God. That's the one thing I want to get across this morning. Very simple. My message is we're separated from each other, but not from the love of God. Here's good news for us. Here's comfort. Here's reassurance. We are separated from each other, but not from the love of God. Please get hold of a Bible if you've got one and have a look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 38 and 39, the last two verses of Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who was writing this, says, I am convinced, I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. I want you to be convinced and to know that this is true about you. So we're going to ask three questions about this sentence, this simple sentence, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. The questions are very simple. Who, why and what? Who is it about? Why can we, why can nothing separate us from the love of God? And then very briefly at the end, what does it mean not to be separated from the love of God? So first of all, who is it about? Now, children, I wonder if you've ever had this happen to you. You hear about a new club at school and it sounds good to you. Maybe it's gymnastics or robot building and you go to sign up and then you find it's only for children in a different year from you. It sounded good, but it's not for you. Romans 8 sounds good. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But who is the us? Is this for you? Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 isn't just a nice sounding idea for everyone. It's a definite truth for certain people. So let's find out who those certain people are. The sentence we're hearing comes in a letter called Romans because it was written to Christians in Rome. And I'm just going to give you a little overview of some of its teachings for us to find out who is our verse about. So Romans started by saying we're all sinners. We've all disobeyed God. That makes everyone under his anger. Now, do you remember the children's talk? 
You might think, oh, it's only a little bit of sin. What's the fuss? No one's perfect. How unreasonable if God makes a big deal about that. But to God it is offensive. And of course, he's the one with the right standards, not you or I, whose standards have been twisted by our sin. And so we're all heading towards being judged by God and no one is by themselves fit and ready for that. That's how Romans starts. But Romans then goes on, and I'm thinking here of chapter 3, to tell us about God's son, the Lord Jesus, dying for sinners. It tells us about him taking his people's guilt and punishment. It tells us about him coming under God's anger for his people in their place. So we, instead of knowing God's anger, can come under his love and be forgiven and be welcomed into his family. And then Romans goes on to tell us how we can receive this. It's all very well hearing Jesus did that 2000 years ago, but how are you and I going to have a part in it? Now, this is where many people get it very wrong. How do we have a part in this? Children, I wonder if you can see this and know what it is. Can you see it and know what it is? It's a Tesco club card. You go to Tesco and you earn points and you get a reward. You earn points by buying things from Tesco and then uh, when your points have stacked up, they'll give you a reward. Now, most religions are like club cards. You join up, you earn points by doing things, that doing good things, doing what the religion tells you, and you get a reward. The different religions are like different club cards, just like you've got a Sainsbury's Nectar card or a Tesco club card, or if you're posh, you might have a John Lewis card. Uh, the different religions are like different club cards. They have different ways of signing up. They have different ways of earning your rewards. And they have different rewards offered. But they're all basically the same system. You earn it. But Christianity is different. Christianity says Jesus has earned the reward. Now trust him and you'll receive the reward along with him. Don't trust yourself, don't trust your goodness, don't trust your ability, don't trust you doing the religious thing. Rely only on Jesus. He has earned the reward and it's those relying on him alone who share the reward along with him. Now I'm trying to summarise for you some of the main things this great part of the Bible we call Romans tells us. And it then says, and here I'm thinking of chapter 10, it then says, the job of a preacher is to tell you about Jesus so you can trust him. And so you can ask him, please forgive me for all that's wrong with me and bring me under God's love. And then it promises everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that is Jesus, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 13. You can look it up later if you like. And that's what I'm doing now. What Romans 10 says is the job of a preacher. I'm telling you about Jesus so you can trust him and so you can call on him. That means pray and ask him to forgive you and ask him to bring you under God's love. Children, I hope you're still listening because even the youngest child who can listen and understand this can do that, can pray and say, Jesus, please 
forgive me and bring me under God's love. So will you do that? Will you call out to Jesus? And then you move from being under God's anger to being under his love. And then, and only then, only then, the sentence we're thinking about is true about you. We're separated from each other, but not from God's love. That was who. Who is this about? Now let's move on to why. We need to spend a while longer on why. Why can nothing separate us from the love of God? This sentence in the Bible doesn't just say we are not separated. It says, verse 39, nothing, and it lists various things covering everything. And then in case you hadn't got the message, it says, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can it be claimed so definitely? How can it be asserted for everyone trusting the Lord Jesus in every circumstance, even for people 2,000 years after it was written? In a world with the internet and coronavirus and other things the Apostle Paul could never have imagined. Well, this big claim can be made because it isn't just a claim. It's the result of God's plan. This verse is really concluding and summing up what Romans has been building up up to that point. Very rigorously, it's been going through God's plan and explaining it. Obviously, we can't go through all of that now. It's, it's quite long, but we can see the part that's just before our sentence. So let's have a look back at verse 28 to 30. Verse 28 to 30. Now, the centre of this plan of God's plan is the centre of this paragraph, the end of verse 29. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What it means is simpler than it sounds. It means God's plan is that Jesus will be the head of a great family of people who belong to him. God the Father loves his son, Jesus, and he wants his son, Jesus, to be the head of a great family, all belonging to him. That's the bit about the firstborn among many brothers. And then it says those people are going to be made like him. They're going to be given the character of Jesus. Their character was so infected by sin and spoiled by rebellion against God. But that's going to be put right. They're going to be made pure and loving and good like Jesus, have his character. And God is going to make sure that happens. Now, children, I wonder if when you've been on holiday, you've gone to a harbour. And there are great big ships in the harbour side. And maybe they're chained up to the harbour and you see massive chains an enormous chain. Each link of the chain is so big you couldn't pick it up. It's an unbreakable chain. Well, that's what we've got here in verse 29 to 30. We've got an unbreakable chain. And it's unbreakable because it's emphasised here every link has been made by God. If you're trusting the Lord Jesus, you're part of this unbreakable chain described in verses 
29 to 30. It says, you didn't know this, but God knew you and loved you even before you were born. And he decided that you would be made like his son one day. And so he called you. Just like Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus and he called the dead man to rise to life. If you're not familiar with that, you can read it sometime in John's Gospel, chapter 11. Just like that, so God called you out of living for sin into new life. And it says that link in the chain leads to this link in the chain. Those God called, he justified. That means like a judge, he ruled them innocent. In fact, he ruled them right and good and welcomed into his family. And then it says that link in the chain is joined to this link in the chain. He'll glorify you. That means he will complete the work of making you like his son. Romans 8 verse 29 to 30 say that's God's plan and he's going to make sure it happens. And it's all been made certain by Jesus dying and rising from the dead. That's verse 31 to 34. You may have realised I'm working through the build up to our sentence. Verses 31 to 34 are all telling us this plan has been made certain by Jesus rising from the dead and before that dying for our sins. Just have a look at verse 32 to get a flavour of it. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely, graciously give us all things? Now, children, it doesn't mean that he'll give you that bike, that toy, that new phone that you want. It means he'll give you everything needed to make you like his son, to complete the plan. And we can know it because God didn't spare his son. What does that mean? It means God the Father didn't say, I must keep my son here in heaven with me. I'll spare him having to go down to that terrible earth. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, OK, he can go into the world, but I won't allow people to mock and insult him. He didn't say, OK, he can be mocked, but I won't allow them to spit in his face and pull out his beard. He didn't say, I'll stop those Roman soldiers whipping his back to shreds. He didn't say, OK, I'll allow all that, but I'll spare him that worst of deaths, crucifixion. He didn't even say, OK, he can die on a cross, but I'll spare him all my anger against sin. I'll hold it back because he's already gone through enough. He didn't spare his son. He gave him up to all of that. And verse 32 is saying, those God did all that for. Of course, he's going to do everything to complete the plan for. The people that God gave his son up to all that for. Of course, he's going to do all that is needed to bring the plan to completion for them. Here's, a, here's an illustration uh, that might help you with thinking about this. Children, imagine an artist. And the artist has decided on a picture he wants to paint. And he's bought all the brushes and the paints and the canvas it's going to go on. He's researched it all. 
He's spent hours planning it. He's travelled to look at the views that he wants to see and to he's got in the models that he wants to paint. And he's oh, he spent so long putting it all together and painting it with such care. And now he's got it all done, except he hasn't yet got it framed. All that work, but he, he just hasn't yet got it framed. So it's nearly finished. The hard bit is done. And then he leaves it out in the garden not framed and he forgets about it and it gets rained on and spoiled oh, what a crazy fool what a crazy fool all that work and then he lets it get spoiled God is not a crazy fool if he gave his son to go through all that for you he will he will complete the plan for you the hardest part is done that Jesus has died and risen from the dead, that makes God's plan certain. And that means all the things that you might think could separate you from God's love, they've been dealt with. Jesus at the cross dealt with them. Your sin, maybe you're conscious of it. Maybe you're aware of how you've disobeyed God and the unclean things you've thought and said and done. But Jesus paid for it at the cross. He wiped out, wiped your record clean. Accusations. Maybe your conscience accuses you. Maybe other people accuse you. But Jesus has taken all accusations on himself and paid for them. Suffering. Suffering can't separate you because the message of Romans chapter 8 is Jesus has turned it into a way to grow in Christ likeness. That's why verse 28 can say all things work together for good. Those who've been called by God. Jesus has turned them into a way to grow your character to become more like him. This world's troubles, pandemics. No, they can't separate you. Earlier on in chapter eight, it's told, told us they've been turned into the birth pains of a coming age, a new world that Jesus is going to bring. Evil spiritual powers. Most people today don't believe them, actually, but they're fools. There's evil spiritual powers, but they can't separate you because Jesus conquered them on the cross. What about death itself? What about that last enemy? What about that horrible unknown death? No, that can't separate you because Jesus has defeated it and risen to new life and raised his people with him to new life. He's turned it into the gateway to heaven. Now, as I describe all this, there is a danger. There's a danger. It might just sound like, oh, Christianity's got a good logical system. But this chain I've described isn't just a chain of computer program programming. It isn't just a piece of logic. It's all based on a relationship with a person. Children, I hope you're still listening. I hope you're managing to follow. I'd like you to do something. Children, I'd like you to have a look at the first and the last verse of chapter 8 and see three words that crop up, three words that are there in the first and the last verse of chapter 8. Just have a read of Romans 8 verse 1 and Romans 8 verse 39 and there are three words going together that are in both verses.
Have you spotted them? Very simple words. In Christ Jesus. Romans 8 begins by telling us this all depends on being in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8 ends by telling us we can't be separated from his love because it's all about being in Christ Jesus. It all relies on being in him. That means belonging to him and being in relationship to him and being one with him, united to him. Remember, Christianity isn't just another club card points religion. It's not yet another primitive self-help guide. Christianity is about the God who is three in one. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, perfectly united. And Jesus, God the Son, is in God the Father. The closest of relationships, enveloped in his love, surrounded by the greatest matchmaker, the Holy Spirit. And the Christian good news is that we can be brought into that relationship and even share in it. We can be in Christ Jesus and he is in the Father. And it's all done by the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is no primitive religion. This is amazing news about the relational God. Now, I've just skimmed over some amazing truths that are explained carefully and rigorously in Romans. But I hope it's been enough to show you that's why it is definite and certain nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We've had who? We've had why? And now very briefly, haven't got much time to spend on this one, but must say something about it. What? What does it mean to not be separated from God's love? Children, does it mean God loving you means you'll never get any trouble? You won't get ill? Other people might, but no, you won't. Is that what it means? You know, there are some very popular preachers who claim that. I don't know how they dare say it. Because have a look at verse 35 to 37. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And it's not saying we won't get those things because it then says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's clearly saying we get these troubles, but these troubles can't separate us from God's love. God's love that has been described in this great eighth chapter of Romans, it's told us God has adopted you into his family. And so whatever happens, nothing can persuade him to throw you out of his family away from his loving care. That's what it means you can't be separated. You're, you're not just fostered temporarily, you're adopted permanently. This eighth chapter of Romans has told us God is making you like his son and nothing can stop that plan. In fact, he'll take every circumstance, every difficulty, every hurt, every frustration and he'll use it for his plan to make you like his son. That's why verse 28 can say all things work together for good for you. That's why verse 35 can say in all things we are more than conquerors. 
Because the Christian doesn't just about get through them. God takes and uses them as part of his plan to make us more like his son. That's what it means not to be separated from his love. And it means this. God will bring you made uh, made his child, brought into his family, made like his son. He'll bring you into his home forever. And Jesus has guaranteed that by dying for you and rising from the dead for you. Well, it's an odd experience uh, preaching to a microphone and a camera. And I don't know how odd an experience it is for you listening from home. We, it's sad we're separated from each other. But we're not separated from the love of God. The Apostle Paul tells us he was convinced of that. Are you convinced of it? And are you trusting the Lord Jesus? And so, no. This isn't just something in a book. This isn't just something for other people. Know that this is true about you.